Osiris. Hey, Osiris listeners. We want to tell you about our friends at Sunset Lake CBD who support this show. Sunset Lake CBD is a Vermont hemp farm crafting affordable CBD products designed to help with sleep and stress without breaking the bank. If you haven't tried CBD before, take it from me, it's a game changer. I use Sunset Lake's tincture every night before I go to bed, helping me get solid, restful sleep. And their gummies are great for daytime. Check out their new Good Vibes gummies, which have just a bit of hemp-derived THC to help you relax and unwind. Sunset Lake CBD crafts products with hemp grown on their family farm and ships them directly to customers. They have tinctures, salves, edibles, coffee, smokables, and even pet products. By the way, their CBD chocolate fudge is awesome. Check them out today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use coupon code TIME for 20% off all products. Sunset Lake CBD, farmer-owned, Vermont-grown. Loyalty, described as, do you care? And I care, and that's why I'm on this show. Comes a time, here we go. <laughs> I'm a sucker for O'Teal, man. I saw that same feeling that I have, that what he filled a void that I didn't even know existed. It feels so good to, as Ben said, to try to do something about an issue as opposed to complaining. If you can't help, don't hurt. If we could just all get out there and throw cream puffs at each other, maybe things would, instead of bullets and, and <laughs> angry words, it would be better. When you stop laughing, you stop living. There's a worldwide surge in interest in mushrooms. It was deep, man. It's not that TM makes your mind quiet down there. It already is. We're just stuck up here. We've lost access. I'm jumping Jack Flash. Came out by the stones. So I thought, all right, perfect, man. I'm gonna drive, and I started driving through the neighborhood, and I got, I got a text from Mick Jagger. <laughs> People saying that you know what we do is non-essential. Well, playing those few gigs that yeah. you saw me at felt pretty essential to me. It wasn't like they were clapping from here. Is they were clapping from here. My view of things is that death, death is the last and best reward for a life well lived. Like you gotta, it's the strangest of places if you look at it right, you know? If you're liking what you're hearing, head on over to patreon.com forward slash comes a time pod and get your bus pass for an extra episode every week. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Comes a Time. That's O'Teal. That's Mike. And today we had Amy Helm on the, uh, podcast wow what a great chat yeah that was a very cool flowing chat she's awesome we need more ladies on the podcast runs We're in the family that, her her oh, uh man. yeah that foundation just that that uh yeah she's awesome that's she talks about an event coming up soon that uh I don't know if this will be released by then, but man, it's got, I hope more of these happen where it's just like to be able to go back to, you know, where Levon grew up and to play music right from the house and, and yeah. celebrate the origin of things, you know, it's really, yeah. really incredible. Yeah. The old cabin that didn't have running water, didn't have electricity, just like they were sharecroppers in yeah. Arkansas. Yeah. And, um, yeah, to reconnect with that, that's pretty cool, man. Really cool. But we had such a good talk about so many different things. Yeah. I think you guys are really going to love this one. I sure did. She's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> she, yeah, she's, that, 
just just and again one of those guests that just has a uh a contagious radiance i think is what i'll call it right we we, we, we tend to get that here where it's just like we, <laughs> we get, get right lucky. down to the yeah we, we totally do but uh check her out check out the barn and uh support i think amy helm music was what she said on instagram and yep. i think amyhelm.com on the we'll have a link we'll fit, yeah we'll put it all in the notes but thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, we're here on Osiris. You can go to OsirisPod.com for all Osiris podcasts and Patreon.com forward slash comes a time pod for uh, bonus content every week. Uh, we appreciate all of our patrons. And uh, if you want more from us, head on over. So thank you guys for uh, joining and we'll catch you next time. How you doing? Thank you for coming and joining us today. We record our intros at the uh, end, so we just okay. dive right in whenever you're ready okay, today. Great, yeah. Yeah, thank you for coming on and being with us. Thanks for having me. This is this is so cool. Is it is it cold up there yet? It looks nice out at the back it's of actually, that window. It's actually pretty cold and rainy today. It's like a real oh. fall, real fall day. Um, uh, it was beautiful yesterday, but it's good. We still need the rain, I guess, from coming off that summer. So where Dry. are you guys right now? I'm right outside New York, Connecticut area. Okay. And uh, yes, yeah, so we're getting that dreary rain too. Yeah. And I'm in Florida. Boca Raton, South Florida. So it's okay. pretty much sunny all the time. <laughs> Unless the hurricane slams us. Nice. How long have you lived in Boca? God, oh geez, at least five years now. Oh, nice. Maybe a little bit more. I try to judge it by Nige's age. Yeah, it's closer to seven actually, because he was still, he was still young when we moved down here. Yeah. Um. So it's getting close to seven. Nice. Yeah, you know, I just saw our Roots Rock family. Well, not all of them, but a lot of them last night because we did a benefit for Barry Oakley Jr. Oh my gosh, I heard that his house, everything got destroyed, huh? Dude, that video was like, oh my God, I didn't see it for days, you know? And they just did a walkthrough of the house and it was crazy how much, like all the ceilings were just ripped out. Wow. You know? I mean, it had a roof, but like inside all the ceilings were gone. Man. I was like, that's some crazy force. So yeah, yeah, we did. Valor and Melody were here, and yeah. it was cool. We, uh, your ears were burning last night because we were. T- Henry came down. Oh, he did great. Yeah, and Andrew. Yeah. The whole and, uh, crew was there, huh? Yeah, so we were telling people like the practically the whole band for the Almond Brothers set was all the Roots family: wow. Pete Lavazzoli, me, Jaden Lehman, wow. and um, Melody and Valor. Yeah, and then. So we talked about your choir that you do at Roots Rock. We were like, come on, y'all, come up to Roots Rock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm picking songs out if we if if I'm back with you guys, I've got new new tunes to uh to start to challenge them with. I love doing that so much. I'm so grateful for the opportunity to to have done that with you guys. I love it. Oh, you really blessed us with that because mm-hmm. it was, you know. 
you hear a little things breaking out here and there, but when you're walking around, all of a sudden you hear this full choir, you're like, yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's a cool, it's a, it's, it's a cool thing that, that the roots that week is so, um, uh, it's so open and has hello pantheon podcast listeners christian swain here to tell you more about my experience with raycon earbuds our family now has three pairs of raycon earbuds around the house and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price and yes she loves them now if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of raycons or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com pantheon. Buyraycon.com pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, Rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. So expansive, I guess, is the word I'm looking for in terms of just all of how the music is in every corner, like scatter shot out into the whole campus. And there is something really this last year when we did the singing in the in the main room, it was cool. I could feel how it you know, it's just such a focus, isn't it? Like that. It's such a it's such a galvanizing kind of um kind of force, you know, to that's to high speak. praise coming from you because you live in this area. I feel like that whole area of Woodstock and everything up there is just like constant art and music magic up there all the time. You know, many, it's so many great musicians and singers live up here. Isn't it funny? It's really, it's really an incredible thing. And, uh, you know, I hope everybody sticks around. Woodstock has changed so much since COVID. I'm sure you guys have seen it in your mm. in your areas too. Like it's just such a different scene up here now because so many new people have moved up here, which yeah. has, you know, it comes with 
there's good and bad that comes with that. I mean, none of it intentional, but just kind of how the shape of a culture can shift in yeah. a town. So things are expensive, you know, it's, it's, there's a mm. lot of that going on. So we got to keep our musicians here in Woodstock able to, to afford a rent, but it, <laughs> it, it's a really special place for sure. Yeah, it sure is. There's certain parts of uh, the Northeast and Northern New York and New England where you drive through and it's just kind of has this magic vibe to it. Like you're in a, like you're in a children's book or a fairy tale or some type of like Narnia, you know, like just even when you get up like Watkins Glen area, just that it's like big sky country in the Northeast. Right, right, right. It's so pretty yeah, and inspiring. Like it's got a little, uh, it's like a little not the same as new Orleans, but just this concentration, you know, inspiring. I mean, you kind of expect it with a big city, yeah. you know, but you know, there it's like, I know it, you know, Woodstock has an interesting history. Are you, are, I don't know if you knew that Woodstock, like before the sixties and the festival and Dylan and the band and all the people that were kind of concentrated here at that time, there was, this was always an artist colony. I'm, yeah. did you know about, oh, you've known about, cause you've been to Birdcliff and Maverick and. I didn't, I mean, I don't know all the details of it, but I knew that it way preceded yeah. like Woodstock, you know, yeah. concert. Yeah. The next time you're here, um, if you have time, like before, after Roots, I should show you the Birdcliff colony, which is like yeah. an area kind of neighborhood up through a, through a part of the mountain that has all the original buildings where all these painters and sculptors wow. would come like wow. at the early 1900s, late 1800s. Yeah. And they chose that specifically, like Mike, you're talking about the big sky country. They chose that area specifically for the light because the light <laughs> was unusual and those, um, these kind of mountains here, I guess, cause they're low mountains, you get like open expanses of sky and then these kind of forested areas. And yeah, it's a neat, it's a cool place and cool buildings. there. actually a great place to play music too. the little bird cliff theater. They're not set up all the time, but that's a magic little spot to go do a show. <laughs> it's like the Shire up there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Well, it is funny too. Cause like when you're out West and you have big sky country, it's a lot of just like flat land or mountains in the distance and stuff. But like you just said, like there's a certain point where you cross over either like the Taconic or 84, if you're coming from like the East and when you get up above it to a certain peak, the sky is huge, but there's those big green rolling Hills. And now with the foliage and it's, it really is kind of a, like, oh, we're not in Manhattan anymore. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Thank God for that. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No right angles. Yeah. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> is that a great environment for you to like write music in? It has been. Yeah. It has been. I, I love it here. I mean, and, you know, I have got my boys are here and we're kind of very settled. There's a great community. I've got all my mom friends and <laughs> the schools and the, you know, so it's it's a it's a good place to feel. It's a good place to have learned how to be a touring mom, how to be like mm. working and traveling yeah. from work and coming home to the kids and like trying to work out how to do that because it's hectic to do that as, as you know, and, um, you know, this has been a strong community. It's very supportive. And so for that too, I think it's been a place where I can kind of take a breath and try to do something creative and 
not get overwhelmed with the just the schedule of just mom, just momhood, you know, which is. Let's talk about that a little, because, you know, it's so much, you know, I think it's kind of easier for the guys because the guys go off and their wives are at home or girlfriends or whoever, you know, and they're kind of taken care of and the guys are just off doing it. But you're you don't get you're still on the hook. How do you, how do you actually manage that? Because I, I feel so guilty when I leave everything on my wife and she's got to do it all. We're very co like doing everything together. So I can't imagine you being like, well, I got to go on tour for a month. It's like, (laughs) what? I know it's, I, you know, it has, I've, I was just telling a good friend of mine that I met, you know, you go through these seasons as a parent, like now my boys are 11 and 14. So I kind of like, they're getting a little older. And I look back at like, like the last five, six, seven years. And I'm kind of the same, like, how did I do that? (laughs) It was was a lot. And and I think managing the guilt was a big part of what I had to come through. I had a really interesting conversation with some of the other ladies that I'm friends with up here who are, you know, our kids are the same age and they're working full time. And I came to realize in conversation, they feel just as guilty, you know, they're working jobs and getting home at seven 30 at night. Right. So they've missed school pickup. They missed going to the soccer game, like all those little things that kind of make a day. Um, so that made me feel a little better and started to ease my guilt. I was like, all right, everybody's got, you know, if you're working, you're working. Um, and you know, my ex-husband Jay, who you've met, Oteil, I think, you know, Jay, he plays with the Ramble horns. He's a saxophone player and he played with Greg for years with Greg. Um, so he's, he and his wife may have been great. And so we have a really good co-parenting scene. Of course, they're super helpful, but you know, and the boys, my boys are just so, they're so sweet and forgiving and they like, you know, they adapt, you know? Yeah. So, so you had a nine-year-old and a 12-year-old essentially during COVID. Like that was pretty much, yeah. that must've been, yeah. how, how was that? I mean, it seems like, who, who did we talk to? Marco Otiel? Yeah. About like just experiencing the pandemic up in Woodstock and how it was kind of, everyone had a different, you know, experience, but being up there, being with the two boys, like I always think about children and what they missed socially during the whole thing. Yeah. My younger boy, who's, he really hit him hard. You know, Mm. Um, my older son seemed to adapt a little differently. You know, it was, you know, it was the darkest part of the pandemic for me with the kids. And I've, I've talked to other parents who didn't miss a beat to, to jump in and say they had the same experience. It was the um, gaming. It was the video games and the tablets. It's hard to come back from that because it's a new baseline. Right. Yeah. Now. And it's, and it was, it became a comfort for them that was taking the place of like, it was like an addiction. And I was just like my friend and I heard her screaming at her kid and I'm screaming, you know, we were on the phone. I was like, get out of the tablet. And then I kind of, I said to her, you know, I said, it's almost like, I said, I feel like you and I have given our kids like a thousand dollars in cash and a bag of Coke. And we sent them into Atlantic city to a casino. (laughs) And then (laughs) I was like, 
<laughs> right? With like yeah. and all these shit they were doing. And then it's like they act oh. out because they were at a casino with their like money and their shit. <laughs> And then all coked up. All coked up. <laughs> and then I'm like in a rage about it. And I was like, I had a couple moments in pandemic where I was like, this shit, this is the most dysfunctional. <laughs> like I spent decades climbing out of this shit, going to Al-Anon and trying to work it out. And here I am. Bells ringing, right? like wheels turning, <laughs> lights flashing. It's, yeah. It's war, man. I, I watched this one lady and she said, because I was just trying to go over, you know, the the pediatric whatever uh, people, the legit people, yeah. they changed the whole guidelines. They were like, yeah, that's not going to work anymore. So you have to let your kids play more video games and just nothing you could do about it. And I watched this one lady and she said, you got to realize that for someone that has just been gaming, gaming, gaming. To get up off the couch and walk one square block is actually painful just okay. to get them up and yeah. out of the house. Yeah. Really? So I was like, okay, so this is going to be a little mini war, yeah. you know, where there's going to be tears, maybe sometimes yeah. goes better than others, Yeah. but I'm prepared for fighting for tears for whatever. And cause Nigel, he won't want to ride his bike. Sure. But then oh, he'll get out on the bike and he's like, this is great. Right. <laughs> but you got to have that well, yes. thing. The unplugging is brutal. Yeah. yeah. I just like, I'm here for it. Like we can have war. We're, get, we're going outside. Yeah. And we'll figure it yeah. out later, you know? Yeah. Hard. It's serious. It's like a whole, they're going to have a whole chapter in the book, in the, in the <laughs> academic world of psychology or psychiatry, they're going to have a whole chapter about this. Because the other thing, I mean, I know we're talking, we haven't talked about music quite yet, but, but just an interesting fact, and I'm sure that you all have seen this in your communities too, the rate of teenage depression and suicide skyrocketed. Yep. And, and, you know, some of the kids that I know that have been struggling a big, a big factor in this is that their main connection, their main melody was that fucking tablet and the conversations on social media and connections with strangers and thinking that something is the kind of seduction and filling up of what you think is reaching you. You know, it's, it's really a trip. It's terrifying. And music can really get them off uh, off of that. Because, you know, I wasn't forcing my kids to play music because I didn't want to be the stage parent. I grew up seeing that. And my parents were not. But a lot of the kids in acting, dance, music, you could see them. It's like the sports parents. It's like, dude, this kid is never going to want to dance, act, sing, play music the way you're being about it, you know? So I was totally hands off. But then when Medeski, he taught this one class at Roots Rock and he gets up there and he goes, you know, I just can't imagine parents. like I'm paraphrasing, like not forcing their kids to play music. He went this whole thing about, you know, them having a relationship with music and all this stuff. But the bottom line was, he was like, you know, if they came to you and said, yeah, I'm not doing math. I'm just not into it. He'd be like, ah, you're doing math. (laughs) Yeah. And he was like, it's that essential. And if you could get kids to play music together, I mean, that would do it, you know? Right. 
that's really interesting. That's a brilliant, brilliant and true thing. It's like they, they, it is so, um, it is a balm to their, you know, it is a healing thing, even if they're never going to play it, never get on stage. Just for fun. It's because they call it playing. Reason, that's what I'm yeah. going to tell my kid. If your job, is, if it says you're playing, that's probably a good job. Right? <laughs> playing video games. Know, but, oh, God, that's right. <laughs> Watch what you wish for, O'Teal. Hey, if, if he can get paid and move out and handle that rent and utilities, I got I got nothing to say. Like No, it's crazy, too. And then you see like... Uh, kids will log in and watch other kids play video games. And it's like growing up, it was like, if I wasn't playing, I didn't even want to be in the room. You know what I mean? Like the fun part was to have the controller and you know, like I can't stand like you go, give me it. It's my turn. It's my turn. But yeah, I thought about it too. Like with this, because growing up before game boys and before, you know, we maybe had like a dollar store, like handheld, little soccer game that ran out of batteries in a day and then you threw it out. <laughs> I always walked around with a, with a, a headset, like a Walkman mm-hmm. or a tape recorder, whatever. Wow, so and like a bag of tapes. And it was just like, had to have music playing if I wasn't communicating. Me too. I have my Sony, my, my Sony Walkman, the yellow the Walkman. waterproof. Yeah. With the bass <laughs> You boost. had a waterproof one? <laughs> yeah. Those were the, the yellow one. Like it, or maybe it's, it's, it yes. seems like it could be waterproof. It was it was what? sort of waterproof. It was supposed to be, if you dropped it, it wouldn't break. It had the thing yeah. that snapped and locked it. Yes, yeah. yes. I love that thing. I would listen to my Walkman on the bus ride all the way uptown from 21st Street up to 91st Street. That was my... That was my time. That was my video games, I think, was just like listening to music. I know. Staring out the window and just imagining like playing on a stage or, you know, I always had this cool like idea as a little kid. If I could see people coming and hear what they were listening to, like if I could see a bubble over their head that said like now listening to Bob Dylan or Grateful Dead, you'd be able to make friends that way. Like you could go up and go kind of like, oh, I like that music too. It was just a little weird fantasy world of mine but yeah that was uh yeah, i've never i've never thought about it like that that would be that would be perfect actually you instantly find your tribe you'd, 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 you'd get away with like you'd drop like 80 percent of the conversation yes exactly yeah. <laughs> it's a time saver for sure i will say that has been a positive side for nigel is that he's been able to make because he's really into pokemon oh yeah just, happened yeah. that, that, isn't that a fun, you know what how old is he now nigel is He's seven it happens so lee is 14 huey my younger guy's 11 at exactly seven and eight years old each one of them got into pokemon it's like a rites of passage huh. it's not even like doesn't matter if you were born in like yeah 2000 Clearly, like, right I think it just happens. That's so cool. Yeah. But he's made, it's, he's, it's a way for him to make friends. He's very yeah. shy, you know, but yeah. then when he finds out another kid and then they're just off to the races. Yeah. yeah it's that know? comfort. Like, oh, I could be me yeah. around you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. But he does. It's weird how excited he gets seeing his friends on the device. I'm like, let's go over their house. And, you know, so we do that. Fortunately in Florida, you know, it's like, we can have Vincent over. Okay, get in the pool and you know, let's 
it's actually play outside. Yeah. <laughs> goes, I'm not really an outdoor kid. I was like, oh, no. no, 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 no. I don't really like math. Yeah. <laughs> Outdoor and kid are like one word. Get outside. <laughs> like, yeah, on, totally. Unless you're like in Alaska or something. <laughs> come on, dude. We're doing this. But uh, he said one time, I said, I was really frustrated. I was like, you know, we didn't have a pool. We didn't have video games. We didn't have, you know, I just went to, he was like, what did you do? <laughs> God, that's I'm so sorry, Dad. That sounds terrible. I was like, we played music. That was my video game, you know? Yeah. So he's he's got I got his little drum kit here. He's you Is know, he starting, yeah. I forced him. I came back home after roots and I said, actually I am forcing you. Sorry. <laughs> Actually, I've been hanging out with Medeski and I have a whole new game plan. <laughs> Just erase the whole chalkboard. I said, you can pick it. You know, yeah. you want piano, you want bass, drums, guitar. Like, you pick. He said drums, you know, so he's yeah. doing it. But uh, nice. your son, I did recognize him. Did he? Did his hair grow like massively longer. My older son, Louis, yeah, his hair's gotten long and he like stretched up. Stre- he got like tall and skinny overnight. Because he came <laughs> up to me and he was like, hey man, what's up? And then I saw him play. He plays drums, right? Yeah, yeah. And then I saw him playing drums with Barry Oakley Jr.'s kid on drums. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, oh my God, this is Roots. Levon's grandson and my Barry God. Oakley's grandson are playing drums together right now at Roots. Yeah. I was like, yeah. <laughs> it's good too, man. I didn't reckon I felt so bad. He walked up. He was like, hey, man. And I was nice. I was like, hey, what's up, bro? And, was, <laughs> and then later I saw him on drums. I was like, oh my God, that's Amy's son. <laughs> yeah, I know. They just think they. He loves it. He loves music. And um, gosh, I love that about Roots, too. It's such a great environment for them to all play music in and kind of, you know, hold like watching like him and Barry Oakley's grandson hold the and Melody and Valor, everybody and Luther yeah. and Graham, who's there. There's yeah. a lot of people that are kind of holding a legacy piece yeah. of it. And um, yeah. but it's. Yeah. It's such a strong community of like, you play because you love it and because it's good for you and it's good for the people you're making music with. And so what level any of us are on just completely is erased. There's no pretension. There's no competition. There's no vibe. It's such an unusual community that you all have built there. Oteil, it's so special. So I know Bravo. he loves going every year. It's like his favorite thing. I'm so glad to hear that because, and you see the friendships of the young yeah. people that are now becoming young adults. I know. You know, I, I mean, all these kids are taller than me now. <laughs> they were like <laughs> ten. I know. You know, when we start, I was like, that's the future of music too. I mean, that's yeah. the important thing as well. It's yeah. a living legacy. And, and like you say, but my favorite thing, my favorite quote is Ornette Coleman. He said, I, my goal is to eliminate the caste system in music. Oh, and I think that's beautiful. so cool about folk music where everybody learns like sitting in the living room on the porch yeah. in the wherever and or yeah. in church. There's no the worst singer is singing along with the best singer yeah. like on earth. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you got yeah. the worst singer on earth. And yeah. they're both doing it 
it's there's and, a power in that and meaning it and not even not even clocking who's on what level it's just different energy that's being i know i i i know it yeah i I guess with it in the thought of like with children and, and one thing I'm fascinated by, and I wanted to ask you about was like growing up, you know, did you, were you fascinated by the life? Were you immediately, this is the path I'm going to take. Was it something that kind of chose you? Like, I, I always wonder about that with like growing up in the, in the music life, you yeah. know, you know, it's funny. I, I had a little bit, I had a more of a, maybe a sidestepping kind of path into committing to music, which was, you know, I always, my light's flickering a little bit. Sorry. Um, I always, music is just what I could do from a very young age. I could sing and I could play piano and it was, I was good at it. It came easily to me and it kind of at school, you know, and choir and all those, you know, by the time you're in second and third grade, I knew that that was something I could do. And yet I just never, I was always interested in getting better, but I didn't have these, a real clear picture of myself as a professional singer from a young age. Like it's a funny thing. Like I was always in bands and I always wanted to expand my ears and what I could do technically speaking. And so it was this kind of drive coming from that place, as opposed to a real clear vision of a music career, I think. Um, and you know, I tried other things. I was a teacher for a little bit, um, taught, I was teaching English to kids that were getting their GEDs and I waitressed a lot and I worked in a flower shop. And then it was actually my dad who, when I was in my mid twenties, um, you know, basically like threw me in the car and was like, this is what you're doing. Like, stop working, <laughs> like stop working at the other place. Stop wasting your time, you know, stop doing this. I'm going to make you do this. It was kind of a, I think that he, recognized my lack of commitment coming from whatever insecurities or fears or just a kind of vague sense of, of directionless yeah. thing that I think I held, which maybe a lot of young people hold. So my dad threw me in this blues band that he was in and, um, coming through that with him, that's when I realized that, you know, I got better. I got stronger. I learned how to kind of sing through my insecurities and I, I committed to the path for better or for worse. Wow. So, so he just John Medeskied you. Basically. He John Medeskied me. I love that that's a verb now. Medeskied. <laughs> I got Medeskied. Uh, yeah. And he, you know, he, um, it was like baptism by fire. It was not like I was yeah. green. I was not confident. I did not know how to choose. There's a lot of things to yeah. becoming a singer I didn't know how to really choose the right, the right tunes for my voice just yet. I was getting up on stage under the very bright light of Levon's daughter. <laughs> yeah. There was no, no pressure. No, no pressure. Right. The legacy thing was here and I didn't quite have it there yet. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I yeah. got up on stage and was timid and, quiet, shy, and sometimes out of tune and all these kind of things that happen when you're getting your sea legs. And, um, and, uh, yeah, I remember one night 
God, man, we got up at the Gibson Guitar Factory, where, where uh, not warehouse, like, uh, showroom or whatever, doing a gig there in Memphis. And so, you know, mm-hmm. when my dad played Memphis, you can imagine like the musicians oh. that came out, just his peers that came out to watch him. Yeah. So, man, there was every like <laughs> incredible motherfucker you've ever heard of like sitting in the thing. And I got up. I've actually told this story at Roots to a lot of the kids there, O'Teal. And I got up and this has never happened to me before or since. But I got up and we were doing you ain't nothing but a hound dog right that version of it the coco taylor version and i was singing a harmony we had done it every night me and this other singer in the band and i something went like this and i couldn't find it and i sang the whole thing a quarter tone out of the key (laughs) the whole song you got stuck i got stuck I (laughs) i couldn't come out and I was like, it was like uh, falling, falling in slow motion. Like all the horn players from Stacks, like all of these fucking guys. And I, was like, <laughs> I could feel myself. Uh, and I went back to this hotel. I went uh, back to this motel we were staying in, and then uh, out on the highway. And I had this like moment, and I had been reading. A lot of uh, Emerson, Ralph Waldo Emerson, essays on self-reliance. Yeah. And I had this thing where I was like facing myself, like, and it was like, are you going to do this or not? Because if you're ever going to walk away from it tonight, (laughs) walk away for good. uh, See, Dad. (laughs) Yeah, guys, I, uh, you know. Back to the florist with you. <laughs> it's back to the forest for me. And uh, I like, you know, I just decided that it meant that much to me and that I was going to stick to it for better or for worse and I was going to work it out. And yeah. it didn't mean I had to be, you know, at the top of my game tomorrow night, but it meant that back to what you're saying about the choir and the intention. And yeah. back to Mike, your, your question about like, how did you get the, you know, how did you yeah, decide to yeah. do it? It was kind of this really intense, profound moment in my oh, life. Wow. Where it was like, I'm going to stick with myself because it's yeah. all I got. And um, anyway. I think a moment's a gift. You yeah. know, if, if Colonel Bruce was alive, I hear him in my head because I got stuck. Someone asked me, have you ever harmonized, like sang a third up from what you're playing or something? Yeah. And I only did that once by accident. I got stuck and I couldn't like get it back to the unison note. Yeah. And it was like, it was actually good. I should have went, cool, let's do this, you know? Yeah. But, well, at least you were in the right key. <laughs> I was in the key, but that's all right. So, but it's like the getting stuck part. Getting stuck. Yeah. That's, a, that's something that doesn't, you don't ever see that happening. Like you can't picture that that would be on the list of things that could go wrong. Like I could get stuck, stuck a quarter tone sharp or whatever and not be able to like come back. Yeah. But it's a great thing afterwards because it just put you, it's almost like a huge gift. Like the universe just dealt you a gift of like, all right, sorry to do this to you, but for, you know, like 40 seconds here, we got to just, 
pull your legs out from under you just right. because there's only one way. Well, it's like, yeah, you're, you're like being like, shown the edge of the cliff. Yeah. yeah. But being pushed over it. Yeah. Right. Being pushed off. That was Colonel Bruce like, sorry, here we go. And it had to happen in Memphis. It had to happen. It had to happen in front with of With all the guys. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That is incredible. Yeah. That really is That's amazing. That's a big cliff. That is. <laughs> big cliff. You know what? I told that story. I told that story last year at Roots to a group of about seven or eight kids around Lee's age and a little older. And I told it the year before to another group of teenagers there. Cause it's, you know, everybody talks about feeling I'm embarrassed and I really fucked up my solo. And I saw Teal come in or I saw Luther come in or I saw Modesto. Uh, come in. I'm like, see, well, I even think about you know that. What? You know what guys? I sang a quarter tone <laughs> for a whole tune. I like, you know, it's kind of my, my brag. That should be like, style. That's like one of those t-shirts. Like I came to Memphis and all I did was sing a quarter attitude. Like, you know, all I got was this damn t-shirt in front of, in front of uh, half the legendary well, half musicians the legend in the country. Of every record you've ever loved. <laughs> well, you know, what's kind of amazing about that. Uh, and I'm a, I'm a massive, first of all, drummers that can sing, I don't know. You're, you're from another planet. Like, I don't know how the hell you do it. Like I could play guitar, but I can't have both feet, both hands doing separate things and singing. Yeah. I don't know how the hell, but that work ethic thing that I, I, I heard something about Levon that like when he left the Hawks and he just decided he was kind of done, he didn't like the direction it was going. So he went and worked on an oil, like an oil ship, right? <laughs> No, he left the Bob Dylan tour and did that. Oh, it was the Dylan tour. That's <laughs> right. Dylan. That's right. Yeah, I'm sorry. I thought it was the Hawks. <laughs> you gotta love it. He That's said, right. Yeah, when Dylan first went electric, and he, everyone was getting booed. Yes. He said he, and he told me himself. I mean, he said <laughs> to come out there, and the 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 sound of an arena of booze. That's right. <laughs> He wow. said I couldn't. He said I couldn't fucking take it. I wasn't gonna take it anymore. There's no point to doing it, you know. It's just so so he yeah, he left and went and worked on an oil rig <laughs> well, in New Orleans. That <laughs> had to be a bad feeling to do that. I mean, it's like, man, but that it's, and then they went and got him back, right? Robbie and everybody went and said, We need you. Yeah, I think he came back and they they got they got into it, you know, got back into it, obviously. But um he well, had that, that cliff moment, moment too. Yeah. Yep, that was his cliff. That was a cliff. You know, he was a, he was so unusual, my dad, because he was really like, you know, he has such a different background than most people, because he was just this dirt poor like sharecropper, you know? So I think that his, uh, not only suspicion and distrust of the music industry, but also the way that he was repulsed by, by kind of the politics that are inevitable and something like that, you know, they were, he had a strong will to, to not play the game. I mean, for better or for worse. I mean, I think that that sabotaged some things, for him, but, but now looking back and I see who he was and his career and his life. And like, he just would not play the game. He just didn't fucking do it. And, you know, for the most part, he really stayed true to himself and, and he built 
I think that's what allowed him to have the last chapter of his life that he did, yeah. you know, coming back from throat cancer and building the rambles and yeah. making his records and having this kind of beautiful success. Um, not only industry recognized success, but really the success of, you know, making something for a pure being compelled to make a piece yeah. of art and making it and building a band and building yeah. it with his daughter and with his, you know, having a, a, yeah. a community. Yeah. And such yes. a, when you're such an undeniable force though, like he was, yeah. you know, like you said, go, him going to Memphis and just like all of the peers just yeah. coming out to, I mean, yeah. he's just got to pay the tab for that though. When you won't play the game, yeah, you oh, have yeah. to pay the tab. Hey there, Osiris listeners. I wanted to tell you about our friends over at SmartWool. For more than 25 years, SmartWool has been making merino wool socks and apparel designed to keep you comfortable. Because they want to help you play, laugh, and explore in the outdoors with every thread they knit and every step you take. Because they believe that comfort sharpens focus and lets you perform beyond your limits. They're here to help you feel good. Now, it's up to you how far you will go. Take 15% off of your first order at smartwool.com. Smartwool. Go far, feel good. It's okay. I've, I see a, a lot of people, want, the older I get and the more interviews, I like, I almost like interviews with people that make art more than their art at this point. Uh -huh. I'm more interested yeah. in it because I'm interested in the process. And a lot of what I see yeah. for yeah. people that have gotten older, they're like, you have to define what your idea of success is. Everybody, like the obvious idea of success is tons of money and tons of fame. Yeah. And plenty of people that get that go, oh, God, if, it, if they survive it, even yeah, yeah. Right? if it doesn't kill them. Yeah. And then but others that don't get that, like, but they do because long term people know like this was one of the guys. This was one of the ladies that really yeah. made a difference. And that thing is going to last for decades forever. and decades yeah. and decades. Yeah. And, and, and forever as it transfers into other people and goes on that way. Yeah. And so now I'm like, okay, it's better for me to be in a good frame of mind than to have more money or more fame. Yeah. Because if I'm in a good frame of mind, I'm going to live longer. It's going to be better for my kids, my wife, everybody, my friend, like, you know, right. so sometimes I understand the politics thing. It's brutal. Music is great. Yeah. Business is war. It's war. And leave on. I was like, you know, <laughs> believe in peace. I'm not about war. I, I'm not here for the war. And I, you know, I'm like half and half. I have an easy cutoff point where I'm like, you know, I'm done. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. right. Well, how many artists get into art because they don't want to play the game. And then once the game starts to pay off and the business parts start coming in, now you're, a, you own a small business. You are your small business right. and you have to keep the stuff in the window fresh yeah. and you have to keep yep. the right. clientele rolling in and you can't get complacent. It's like, you got to keep the ball off the ground. You got to keep that. And that's a, that's a business in itself of like, so or daunting. Colonel yeah. Bruce it and completely deconstruct it. 
Right. He would just throw a grenade on it. It It would keep happening. (laughs) He would get big and then he'd throw a grenade on it to stop it. He was like, no, I don't want it. You know, so. Yeah. Be careful what you ask for sometimes. Yeah. Right. Right. So, what are you into right now? What's your current thing that you're uh, getting out there on the road with? Uh, you know what I'm doing this week? I'm going down to Arkansas speaking to my dad to play a set of music on the front porch of his, of the home he was born in, which is like this tiny uh-huh. sharecropper's cabin, which wow. he brought down. Yeah. They restored the house. This woman named Ann Ballard, who uh, took her team of um, students uh, who were studying, you know, historical restoration and all this stuff. They restored the home and uh, they moved it to the center of Marvel, Arkansas, where he was from. And wow. I'm going down and playing some music on the front porch there with some friends. And then there'll be a little stage in the, in the uh, ball field next door. And my son Lee is coming down with, with a group of his friends. They have a Grateful Dead tribute band called Young and Grateful. They're doing a set of music. Nice. And, uh, I love it. Yeah, we're doing a cool, it's the Levon Helm Jubilee. So I will be there this week. And then I'm kind of done. I'm, I'm not really working the next couple months. I'm writing and recording and uh, I'm going to put a little youth choir together and do some Christmas songs and wow. just kind of focusing on, on other stuff right now. Not, not touring around till the spring, I think. Me too. I'm taking the rest of the year off of touring, all recording. So yeah. you're working, you're writing some new stuff, huh? I'm writing. I'm trying to write a lot. Yes. I'm supposed to record a record. I think we're going to do the first chunk of it uh, when I get back from Arkansas and then hopefully finish it off in the spring, maybe, or maybe late winter. Uh, It's it's excruciating for you as it is for me writing music. (laughs) I mean, it's fun, but it's also brutal (laughs) to me. Yes. And I've been, Yes. And I could, I could talk about this for an hour and a half because it's such a, it's such a mystery that the, the, the songwriting process is so incredible to me. And I've been thinking about it so much and reading about it, trying to educate myself and get better at it. And um, I actually went back to full moon and was a guest teacher at, at uh, Steve Earl's camp. Yes. I want to do that. And yeah. the, it was a uh, that it was interesting. I had to to flip my mind into like teaching, which I put in quotes because I don't feel uh, that I've arrived at a place where I could teach songwriting. So I just kind of met the group where we all were, which is just that I'm in the process too of trying to learn it. And um, ever since I did that it's really more is kind of revealing itself. And you know, the, the, the veil kind of pulls away in different, different layers and, and songs have their own funny. They're like little, they're like little, their own little lives, their own little, little energies that reveal themselves to you. It's pretty, it's, it's, it's quite astonishing. Really. I'm finding. They're like children. I'd like to ask, I'd like to ask both of you. 
why is it so daunt? I wonder about this with songwriters because it's like, you know, they are like little children. So you kind of have to let them grow on their own. You can't suffocate them. Right. But also, well, you can, but then they're dead. You can, but, <laughs> but what's so daunting about, like, I guess my, my, like, it, does it get after ta- after doing that event at, you know, at Steve Earl, like, do you look at it from a more relaxed kind of, this is my third kid. So I'm not going to, mess up <laughs> as much as I did the first time kind of thing? Or is it just a new way that you approach the growth of a song or the patience of it? You know, after I taught at that camp and then had a chance to go to, I didn't get to see Anders classes because our classes were at the same time, but having conversations with Anders and watching the homework assignments that he gave to the students, mm. getting to watch a couple of Steve's things. And then the week culminated with us doing a concert where I had to play three songs that I had written and something oh. about being the teacher and the student and the performer and all of it at the same time. I felt a lot more self-trust, I think, after I left Good. that, which was nice. interesting. And then once I kind of trusted, you know, once you trust that, okay, this process happens for everybody and it happens mm. for me too. And I don't have to be, you know, Dolly Parton in my writing. She's, I think, one of the most underrated, unsung, prolific songwriters for volumes of incredible songs. So I don't have to write something like Dolly or, you know, John Hyatt or whoever it is that, that I'm inspired by, but I can allow my process to unfold and let it be what it's going to be without pressure. And somehow I got there and I've been finding the songs are coming a little easier since then. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's like you funny. get out of your own way, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It is. I find so much in our society, like with conversations that I have with people, regardless of what it's about, <laughs> a lot of it comes back to giving ourselves permission to be ourselves, which means to oh, fail okay. and succeed to whatever, yeah. yes. for it to be what it is. Yeah. And it's so weird that we have to go through this long roundabout thing to get back to like, you know, it's okay to be you right, right now. Right. Like, like how do, I just, it's sad that, I mean, maybe it's good. Maybe that's another gift that we got to go around the mountain just to prove it to ourselves, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Why we have to go around the mountain, but. (laughs) Hey, I know it's different, different. I guess maybe, you know, I I think about this a lot too. And I think it's sort of like the, um, the, 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 the levels that the ocean floor, if you're practicing, radical self-love if that's your goal or if that's the teacher most religions teach that anyway so whatever it is we follow even if it's just loving nature that's kind of the constant return but it seems like that ocean floor doesn't exist there's no floor to it maybe it's Mm. just concentric kind of circles of deeper levels of that Mm. Which yeah. is why we've, <laughs> that's what I say to myself when I try to think like, why have I wasted the last 20 years of my life <laughs> feeling like shit? Like now I'm 51 and everyone's telling me I'm old, but I feel incredible. Like, you know, that's like, exact same. T- I felt yeah. so crappy. I was terrified, confused, um, yeah. just like. 
when I was young. I wouldn't want to go back to that for anything in the world. I don't even care about not having the energy. Yeah. You know, because I feel like my life started at 50. It got progressively better, like 40, 50. Like, I'm like. <laughs> oh, my God. I feel exactly the same way. I Someone said, how did it? I said, I can't wait to turn 60. Me too. Said, this is how 51 feels. Like, and it's so funny because we live, especially for women, it's like, it's like there's a billion dollar industry <laughs> created yeah. against this. And, and yeah, I right. young girls and I say to them, guys, I feel fucking great. And yeah. they're, 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 they're bewildered that they said, gosh, you're the first, you know, they don't hear that a lot. From older women. It's funny. Like, I don't, I just, not that older women don't feel that, but I don't think it's part of the conversational yeah. push in our culture, you know? Yeah. Well, in America, definitely it's definitely not. Oh, of course but not. I, no. I do see it changing. Like, I, I am getting more and more off of social media, but in my Instagram, I notice these things have come up with like older women embracing. There's this one yeah. black lady and she doesn't have like super duper smooth skin and look way younger than her age. Well, she might. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> she's a lot older than I, but she's totally gray and she tends to come on with no makeup and she's like happy. She's like, this is what, you know, whatever. I don't even know what the age is, but this is what this looks like. Right. And I'm digging it and I'm digging my gray hair. Right. She does it different way and she's beautiful, but it's all in this, like, I, I always thought like, look at like <clears throat> Emmy Lou Harris, oh my the God. way she aged. I was like, she just is perpetually beautiful. It does not beautiful. matter. Boy, She'll be 102 and yeah. still have whatever that thing is because she's, she's embracing it. It's, there's a way to age. Yeah, and you the women that do it yes. right, it's so powerful. It's like, powerful, whoa, right? so I mean, great. Yeah, Emmy Lou is a great. She's also one of the coolest people in the world, right? Is she I think it tend to go together, like Dolly. Yeah. Right, it tends to go together. Right. Yeah, and they they also remain very sexy. Uh huh. Because they feel it's they you know it's like. Sexy. And they feel beautiful. Yeah. And the, the, you know, yeah, it's like there's a way to do it. And I always am like, I want to encourage my, yeah, I mean, my daughter's four, but I I do want to like put that in her head. Like it's, it's in here. And then that does affect how you look on the outside. It just does. I don't know why, but it does. Right. You know, I mean, look at you. With your, Woodstock, that's a Woodstock 51 right there. It's beautiful. <laughs> Woodstock 51. I like it. <laughs> we all, well, that's, the, I think that like, you know, if you take, there are people who are half of all of our ages that probably feel 10 times older yeah, because of that foundation or lack thereof. You know what I mean? Like if you got that Rocky, you know, if you're, if you, if you have that inner, like you said, that radical self-love. 
yeah. that that doesn't skin doesn't stop that from shining right. out to the world, you know. Right. But if you have the opposite, I think that also kind of emanates, right? Like I think so. If you have yeah, that my, good, my good foundation, booze soaked, and you know, like people are like, "Oh, teal, you're like reverse aging." I was like, I treat myself way better now than I did in my thirties and twenties. Right. It's very true, right? I mean, you think about that, and it's like, like wow, 180 degrees. Yeah, very true. Very true. I think about even like eating, like just the way that, oh, the gross stuff. The gas station food we used to eat. Oh, yeah. Hot pockets. Lunchables. We did Lunchables. You did Lunchables? Yeah. Tough. Yeah. 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 It was just the idea of making my own sandwiches out of the bologna and cheese and crackers that they provided. Yeah. You know, somehow that felt better to me. I don't know. I was still making my own lunch. (laughs) I'm like, bologna, like, what is that? Like ham, I know what it is. It's a pig's ass. Bologna, I'm not. Bologna came out of a pig's ass. Yeah. I, I liked bologna when I was young too. I don't think I could do it now, now knowing that it's a... It's a mystery of nature, but yeah. <laughs> what was you... that? The island of Doctor Moreau is that? <laughs> what that shit is. Oh God! That's yeah. so neat that you're going to be playing on the on the right at the house. That's so cool. So cool! I did it last year too, and um, it's really cool. Like speaking about women and life and his, you know, just how, how we grow older and what we come to, to hold close to our hearts, you know, like my grandmother, like I I go into that house and I'm like, God damn, like she was in here, like with no electricity, with no running water, like (laughs) cooking, having babies, losing babies. Like, you know, they had no medicine. Like everybody lost kids back then. It was like, it was a brutal time to be down there because Arkansas in 1940 might as well have been the 1800s. Like it was really like, you know. Yeah. So I just, it's really cool to touch down on that history and be like, damn, if she could do it, then we can do a lot, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It makes you realize it through, you know. There's a lot of heroes. Just a lot of heroes. All I mean, just I think about you know my grandfather's, uh, my mom's dad had a fourth grade education. He yeah. always had three jobs. Yeah, and he was happy. Yes, you know he. Um, and I mean, you know, at his age, they had to leave North Carolina. A lot of my family had to leave because of such horrible racist stuff. They were they had to leave because they were doing well. Florida, North Carolina, they own their own land. And like there's a statue of my great great grandfather, whatever, in Key West in that park. But they had to leave because it was so horrible. Wow. And you think like, wow, what am I whining about now? Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> a flight gets delayed and we're you like, <laughs> like it's so, I know. Yeah. I mean, not that we don't have, you know, I've, I know a friend that uh, he lost a child, you know, like, yeah. but like yeah. you say, like everybody had so many kids back then because probably there might be two or three of them that didn't make it. Yeah. My grandmother lost two. Yeah. I mean, that was just, we, 
It's what yeah. happened. Expected, yeah. yeah. Your expectations included that. Yeah. You know, God forbid, but still, like it was on way more on the table than what we think about right now. Yeah, right. And um, yeah, we try to use that now. Like it's still death can come for you. So it's like me and Mike have this thing about six months where we say, okay, when you're struggling, like if you had six months to live, what would you change and what would you keep the same? Wow. You can't do like fat. two weeks or a month. But then if you do five years, like we were tinkering with the time a lot. So you could tinker with the time. <laughs> what if you had two years to live? But you know what I mean? Yeah. And just with knowing with your expectation, be like, okay, I might die, which is actually true. Right. Tomorrow. Like, what am I going to do? Yeah. And yeah. it has really changed a lot in my life. It helps yeah. me say no to a lot of stuff yeah. that I would just say yes to and then have a bad attitude about doing. It's like, yeah. Well, but right. also, it also yeah. takes the brevity out of a lot of the worry. Yes. That at the moment seems like the catastrophic and you go, if I had six months, this doesn't matter anymore. Right. Things would just fall it's away. Just, it's like a scale. Yeah. All of a sudden it's like, yep, that doesn't really six matter. <laughs> at all. Put it on the six month scale. Right. Yeah, totally. Yeah. No, it's a beautiful way. It's a, that's how we have to live. I've been, um, a, a friend reminded me of a beautiful kind of one, one sentence prayer that I love that I've been using a lot, which is what does love require of me today? Like just yeah. that, yeah. Wow. It, you know? I yeah. love that. Isn't that a good one? That is a good one. Yeah, I like you it. You could use it for every single situation. You know yeah. what I've been finding a lot? Like when I don't want to do something and, you know, people ask me to do a lot more stuff now since Dead and Company. Right, right. <laughs> it's just a reality, you know? Yeah. yeah. And it always comes back to the same thing. I just beat my head against the wall. And, you know, how do I say no? And it's always just like, just be honest. Yeah, right. Just say why it is that it's like you would like to do it, but I don't want to do it for this reason right now. It doesn't shut the door forever. It's just like bad time. And then I was just like, okay, so I could shorten this whole process (laughs) like all the time. Right. 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 Yeah, Think Amy, for a minute what it is and then just let it go. Let it fly. Yeah. Amy, I like that because the keywords today. Yeah. Yes. No. It's not yesterday. It's not tomorrow. It's not the rest of my life. Yeah. It's just right now coming back to it. Yeah. My reaction awesome. to this. And, and a lot of times I'll say it, it to myself and, and just realize like, I'll think that I'm using it to remind myself of how to react to something outside of me. But oftentimes, and this seems to be the theme we've all stumbled upon on this conversation today, but just about being kind to ourselves and, and kind of standing with yourself, no matter what's going on and believing in, believing in your own process, you know, yeah, you're believing in your, you know, God within you whatever that is or however you define it, you know, your divinity having its, having its kind of um, eternal and always, always present um, light in you. 
it's funny how we're so kind to everybody else, but not ourselves. Yeah. Some people naturally can stick up for themselves. Like my daughter, Kavi, she has a no problem. <laughs> She's being kind to herself or Advocated. sticking up. <laughs> for herself. Like it's just in there. Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't have to work for it at all. I have to like go through this whole like decades long <laughs> process of justification and like, uh. I'm the person too. Shouldn't I be able to be? Happy. <laughs> you can make a hundred people happy, but it's like the minute you're oh. done, it's like, well, I could have made 101 people happy, but somehow I screwed that up. You know, yeah. It's just, <laughs> or I made a thousand people unhappy. Yeah. It's that, that thing, that constant, you know, constant yeah. Criticism. Yeah. Right. Right. That's we the just curse gotta of, recharge of You gotta say, okay, sometimes I gotta make me happy right now. Yeah. And then I'll be back. I'll be my right. the gas tank will be full again yeah. to like help make everybody else happy. Yeah. Right. You know? Right. And yeah. hopefully, but go ahead, Amy. Oh, just, and especially playing music and doing gigs. And like we were talking about earlier, like we're in when it becomes your work and it becomes your job. It just, you know, it's to manage that is a, it's, it's easy to kind of get into the, the chaos of it than just the original thing. Because I, I think about this sometimes, like if I'm feeling overwhelmed, which I have no reason to, I even, I have a team of, I have like a team. I have people, you know, I have like a booking agent. <laughs> you know, I was, I was talking to a friend of mine. They were like, I don't have a booking agent. I was like, Oh God. Right. Like that's a whole other level of work. Yeah. So even though I have people that are helping me do stuff, it's like, I get over, you know, we all get overwhelmed with the, with the conversations and things that people want to hear and they want to know what's going on and they want to, you know, especially with the barn, cause I'm running that as a business now, even more so too. So I'll get caught up and man, if I take five minutes and I sit down on that couch with that tenor guitar behind me and I just like, just touch down on something I'm trying to write or something I'm trying to get a cover I'm trying to learn on tenor for five minutes. It restores my whole thing. It's like magic. I'm yeah. sure you guys feel the same. You have to, you got to recalibrate. You got to, you got to reset, press that, find your button. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's Tell awesome. You have it. Piano. Just sitting there. Cause Kofi always wanted me to play piano and I've just, resisted it now i'm just trying really simple songs and then got sucked in it's the most therapeutic thing yeah. it's like the tenor guitar you just just playing and singing and then all of a sudden i'm like wow i am like seriously all better right now right. <laughs> right. it's right. super cool yeah, yeah. Where can, where can everyone who's listening uh find and follow what you're up to and uh support and everything um that's a good question. <laughs> so bad. I'm terrible. I'm pretty sure it's Amy Helm Music. I think that's my Instagram. Okay. And um, that's, yeah. And my website, amyhelm.com, I guess, right? Yeah, that's where you can see. Um, the barn keeps got you busy. For that. She's the barn got keeps you busy, I bet, huh? <laughs> I've got people for, I do have people for that Instagram thing, boy. I have, my manager is 30 years old and I'm like, please take this from yeah. me. No. I don't want to um, do it. I don't want to do it. Um, uh, 
yeah, the barn is doing great. We're doing lots of shows there. And that's like, a you know, it's taken a while, but we have a great team and, and we've got it up and running where it's actually like a venue, which, you know, so a lot of different musicians come and play there and incredible shows happening all through the fall. And, um, yeah. You know, it's messed up. I have never even been to the barn. Really? Much less played it. Isn't that messed up? That's my fault. Wow. Um, so I never, I'm breaking a rule here. To, uh, I, it's a cardinal rule. You should never go to ask someone to sit in on their gig. <laughs> I never, t- <laughs> but I am asking at some point, I really want to play the bar because, you know, I had a great moment with Levon. He played the Allman Brothers 40th anniversary. And, it was not long, I think, after he had gotten his voice back. Like uh-huh. he started playing, but he, I think he couldn't sing for a uh-huh. while, right? Yes, yeah. And then I, we heard like he's singing again. And we were like, oh, shit. <laughs> you know? yeah. And then he came and sat in the very first night, I believe, of the Allman Brothers 40th anniversary. The two guests were Taj Mahal and Levon. Wow. And he sets up. He doesn't set up back where the drummers he sets up on the side of the stage facing. Yes. So he yeah. was right next to me. Oh, amazing. <laughs> yeah. So I got to really like feel yeah. like when you see someone, you're playing like the way he leads you. And oh. it was just so heavy. I was like, we could all go home after him and Todd. Oh, <laughs> me and Derek and Warren were like, we're done here, right? Like this is great. <laughs> all these people lined up, clapped in and everybody. You know? I was like, I think I'm good, y'all. <laughs> But it was so beautiful. And then I have one more moment with him in New Orleans so Jazz Fest. That moment, by the way, that's so great. Oh, the that. other one in New Orleans is even better. And he wasn't, we weren't even together, but we had these trailers. And I looked out at the back of my trailer. There's a fence that blocked everything. So people couldn't see that those were our dressing rooms. Yeah. And he came outside and he took his shirt off and he just stood like this in the sun. <laughs> yeah. He loved to <laughs> do that. Yeah. Man, I don't know why, but that got me so, I mean, I knew what he had been through with the cancer and yeah. the comeback and all the stuff. And, yeah. but seeing him just be grateful for that moment. Yeah. It's burned and it sticks out in my mind for some reason. So I'm glad to even, but I had a chance to tell you that. I don't know. I've just wow. all the time I've spent with you at Roots, I forgot to even yeah. mention that's, that to you. That's beautiful, O'Teal, that you got, you know, because that posture, that thing of him yeah. with the step to the sun, I know exactly. Just and he would rock. Yes. I know. And he <laughs> like he really he really healed himself with that when he first got throat cancer and came through it. He would just stand outside and do that for hours. And then at night, mm. he'd stay out in the woods. I mean, he slept out there a lot, too. Wow. He just, like, had this fire that he'd keep going constantly. Wow. Fire out by the pond in his house. And I think he really, like, he just tuned into something. And, you know, he knew kind of how to heal himself in a wow. way during that time. So I think you caught energetically that. Yeah. I saw him do that too. It's that old Arkansas cabin 
stuff, it's man. Whole arc- yeah, it really you tapped is. into it. You know, I just yeah. came from Arkansas. We played Hillberry Festival. Yeah. And I was so blown away at the, all the deadheads and this whole community. It was just yeah. like the Shire in the middle of Arkansas. And it was really cool. And so it's when you mentioned the cabin in Arkansas, like I could totally go back to that because we were just in the mountains up there. Yeah. Ozarks, right? Well, that's Ozarks. This is Marvel, where my dad is from, is like an hour and 20 minutes outside of Memphis, and it's down in the Delta. So oh, it's like, so it's like that swampy and just yeah. fields as far as you can see. And, yeah. you know, I'm hoping the deadheads show up. <laughs> it's pretty much like, imagine a small ball field with yeah. about... 150 to 175 people scattered in the ball field sitting in chairs and all of them are over like 82 years old it's like <laughs> elderly feel <laughs> the dreams and <laughs> mike it really is a field of dreams <laughs> so we're gonna try to uh you know we're gonna see i, I love this thing because it's very um it's really kind of an undiscovered thing yet. It's like <laughs> outlier art. So this little festival is a, if anybody hears this in time, if you want to come see some real, you know, untapped stuff, come down nice. to marble. <laughs> I think wow. it's great. Go down there and learn how to heal yourself. You know, right. that's, that's how right. those folks did it. Cause they didn't have all these doctors and fancy hospitals and machines and stuff. They went out there and they reconnected <laughs> with nature and got that energy and like, yes, healed. our bodies can do it, but our minds, we got to get our minds in tune. We got to tune up like Sun Ra said, Absolutely. be in tune with nature, with the universe, Absolutely, back on track. Before I forget to go back to something you're talking about not having played at the barn, any time you want to come play <laughs> anything there, bring your own band, play something by yourself, bring whatever, come play with the Ramble Band, any version of anything. It's a, you know, he really wanted that place to be a home base for musicians. That's what he built it for. You know, it's like Great. a, it's a very special room. It's I know, place. man. Everybody that plays, you know, all my people. I know. I they know. play there and they're like, dude. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, ah, what am I doing? You know, yeah. I had my first kid at 50. So yeah. it's the kid, 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 kid. Yeah, and I'm always like, I, back to the kids. I but I, I, I absolutely, I'm going to take you up on it and I'll just keep track of what's going on when I'm close. Yeah. Well, or maybe we could book there. something. Yeah, well, when you get there, it'll be the right time, you know, for you. Yeah, you can do something sure. after roots if it's easy. Yeah. And then family can just come with or whatever. You'll know when it's when it's right. It's always Absolutely. But thank, thank you, you so, so much for so joining much. us. Thanks, you guys. I had a great time getting to talk to you and look forward mm-hmm. to seeing you guys in person sometime down the road. Yes, soon, soon. Well, bless you, Mama. You have a great, great day. Osiris. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 